This is the Cancer Radio Network. Coming up on this episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Because when I have scans, we talk to them and I tell them what they say. We're very honest because I never want it to be at a point where the kids think that I had lied to them or hid something from them in the case that I'm not here for them anymore. Welcome to the Colon Cancer Podcast, offering stories of information, inspiration, and hope to those affected by colorectal cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein. Welcome to episode 77 of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Thank you for so much for joining me today. Goodness, can't believe the calendar has already flipped to October. I'm recording this intro on Sunday, October 1st. And that means uh, we are in the month, the month for the upcoming national conference. Tomorrow can't wait, and neither can I. I can't wait for the uh, annual conference taking place in Cleveland on November 1st and 2nd. I say it's later this month because I'm flying up on October 31st, so still in the month of October. Hope to meet many of you there. Uh, Can't wait to give and receive lots of hugs. Uh, That's my favorite part of the conference. This will be my, goodness, I think this is my fifth Uh, conference, which is uh, really exciting and exciting for the fact that I've able to make it to five conferences being stage four. So I'll take that all day long. If you're not able to attend the conference, I want you to know that we will be doing this podcast from the conference. So the plan is, is to interview uh, many of the presenters, some of the attendees, and provide you with some insights into what's happening at the conference almost in real time. So like we've done in years past is I will interview, uh, like I said, some of these pre- presenters and attendees, and we will post those episodes. Uh, you'll see uh, postings on the Colon Cancer Alliance website at ccalliance.org. Org. So if you can't be there, this is the next best thing. The Colon Cancer Podcast will be your vehicle for you to still stay connected with Tomorrow Can't Wait, the annual conference taking place on November 1st and 2nd. I realized something. I jumped on the Colon Cancer Alliance website uh, today, and if you're not putting it on your calendar every few weeks or so to jump onto the website, see what's new, see what's happening, you should because the team is doing an amazing job uh, with uh, content on the site. I logged on today and saw some wonderful new information that I had not seen before right on the home page. Information, everything you want to know about immuno-oncology. There's even a free treatment guide that you can download. Information about immunotherapies, biologics, etc. So go on the homepage of the Colon Cancer Alliance website again. That's ccalliance.org and check out uh, the new look and the the newly uploaded information on immuno-oncology. If you have an ostomy or are undergoing chemotherapy, you know at times it can be a struggle to stay hydrated. That's where H2ORS can help. H2ORS is an oral rehydration solution, which is an over-the-counter electrolyte drink mix for dehydration. 
H2ORS is a medically accepted alternative to IV hydration. So, for those of you who are struggling to stay hydrated due to an ostomy or chemotherapy, H2ORS can help replenish your fluid and electrolyte levels. It has three times the electrolytes of most sports drinks without the excess sugar, artificial flavors, or artificial colors. If you would like to try a free sample of H2ORS, go to h2ors.com sample and they'll ship one out to you. No strings or hidden costs attached. Also, when you make your first purchase at h2ors.com, if you use the code CCPOD, you will get 10% off your first order. We still have some events scheduled to take place as we're getting near the end of the year. There are five more undie run walks scheduled uh, coming up for the remaining of 2017. Beginning with this Saturday, October 7th, we will be in both New York City and Cincinnati, Ohio. So if you live uh, in around either of those uh, locales, uh, hope to see you out for the Undie Run Walk. That is, you have your option of a fun one-mile walk or a timed 5K race. And then at the end of the month, on Saturday, October 28th, we will be in Atlanta, Georgia. And the last two stops for the year for the Undie Run Walk on November 4th, right after the conference, that is going to be uh, our powerhouse team out in Phoenix, Arizona. I know the Phoenix chapter will be out in full force for the Undie Run Walk again on Saturday, November 4th. And then the last stop of the year, the following Saturday, November 11th in Dallas, Texas, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Again, more information on the Undie Run Walks can be found on the Colon Cancer Alliance website at ccalliance.org forward slash undie hyphen run walk will take you to all the information you need for those events. My guest this week is my friend Diana Sloan. I met Diana at the Stage 4 Symposium last year in Mesa, Arizona, and the truly special lady. And the reason why I brought Diana on the show, it all started with a post that she shared in the Blue Hope Nation Facebook group about a very uh, sensitive yet tender conversation she had with her eight-year-old daughter talking about cancer, talking about life, talking about death. And reading what she shared, uh, just I only needed a second to realize that this was a conversation we needed to bring out to a broader audience. Uh, so Diana talks about uh, all the great things that she and her husband do to uh, celebrate and enjoy every day. And then she talks about um, you know, how do you uh, share what needs to be shared in terms of your cancer journey with your children? So I'll let her take it from here. Join me now for my conversation with Diana Sloan. Diana, welcome to the Colon Cancer Podcast. How are you? I'm good, Lee. How are you doing today? Good, good. You're so glad to connect. It's like, you know, other than Facebook, the last time we had the chance to really sit down and chat was at the conference in Mesa last year. And now we got Cleveland coming up. So we're going to get to hang together again. I'm all excited. And my wife, Linda, is too. <laughs> I absolutely 
feel the same way. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, just to reconnect and uh and for me it's kind of a a special treat because each time I get to meet people that I've interviewed but have never met before. So I, I think that'll happen again, and uh, I'm excited about that. But anyway, thanks so much for agreeing to jump on uh, the show and uh, spend some time with me. It's my pleasure. So what caught my attention, as you know, was um, a blog post that you shared on Facebook uh, earlier this month, at the time we were recording this, mid-September 2017, and it just kind of dawned on me that uh, I haven't spent, had the chance to spend a whole lot of time talking about the parent-child relationship as it relates to dealing with this disease. So uh, I want to get there with you in a minute, but uh, just kind of bring the audience up to speed as to um, where you are now with your disease and, and when you were first diagnosed. Okay. I was diagnosed in December 2012. Initially, I thought I was a stage 3B rectal cancer patient. I found out very shortly after that I was actually stage 4 already. Um, I had metastatic disease in my liver. Went through the gamut of treatments, had a bunch of surgeries, thought uh, that I was NED, but it turned out that I had a new primary colon cancer brewing and was not aware of it while I was still in maintenance chemo. So after a colonoscopy in 2015, I discovered the new primary, and then I had some more metastatic spread from my rectal cancer to my lungs. So I have been in treatment for close to five years, and I am disease-free in every part of my body except for my lungs at this point. So I'm in active treatment with a full furian Avastin. I've exhausted all my chemo options, so I'm recycling, but I am doing well and still trucking and getting through each day and keeping up with my crazy tribe. <laughs> well, you know, making the most of each day is the perfect segue to something I wanted to ask you about. And that is, I noticed a hashtag popping up on your Facebook page, and it's hashtag we don't wait. Tell us about that. Well, my husband is retired from the Army, and I was a teacher. We have three children, and we realized that we were not taking much time for ourselves and doing things that make the memories that stay with you forever. And when he got out of the army and we moved to Texas, he decided this is the time. He's like, we don't wait anymore. So he started planning activities for us to do. And he just asked me, hey, babe, you feel like going to a concert? Sure. Even if I wasn't feeling well, you know, we have a wheelchair for me for when I'm really fatigued. And he just made things happen. And it became the we don't wait tour. That's what he calls it. So that's why we're always using hashtag we don't wait everywhere <laughs> we go. Um, it's mostly uh, based around music because we both are very, very big fans of all types of music. Um, but we've also done some trips. He took me to Vegas because I hadn't been there yet. And I just did a bucket list trip to Hawaii where he worked all day. And I went around paradise <laughs> and just <laughs> enjoyed myself. And, of course, we do things with the kids as well. But um, we've just decided that um, when you have incurable cancer, 
if that's not a reason to get out there and go do things and experience as much as life can give you, I don't know what is. So we do not wait anymore. I, I love it. And we were talking before I hit the record button and, and our similarities are, are, the list is growing longer and longer because we were talking about how we have the similar genetic uh, uh, challenges, I guess you could say. And certainly a love of music is touches my soul. And uh, I've, so I've been living vicariously through your through your <laughs> i'm like green day oh cool <laughs> and then they were amazing by the way oh uh, uh, well uh <laughs> so one of the uh, added benefits of 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 my wonderful wife linda she opened my eyes to country music which i swore i would never listen to and now i love uh truly do love most of it and so we're going to see go go see uh, zach brown sunday night so i'm excited about that oh, zach brown man <laughs> mm-hmm. good choice okay glad you approve <laughs> So, so we don't wait. So, uh, you know, so just for a a form of a bucket list, I guess you will, uh, I guess you'd say, but uh, I I like, we don't, we don't wait a little bit, a little better. I don't think anybody should. And what I hope by us doing that, we're hoping that we are also encouraging other people, no matter where you are in your life, you have to take the time to do things with each other because that can work for anything. It's not just cancer. It could just be keeping your relationship healthy, being happy. It's not always about the things it's about the experiences and the memories that you make when you're mad at your spouse or something can be like, Oh man, I remember when we went to go see Rod Stewart and he still shakes his, you know, rear like he did in the nineties. That was a great memory. I'm glad I did that with my husband And now I'm not so mad at him because he didn't take the trash out today or something, you know, trivial like that. It's just, it's about the experiences. Tell me more about your husband. Well, let's see. We met in high school, as a matter of fact. Um, The love of music stems from the very beginning. We met in Allstate Chorus when we were in high school. And he was a senior. I was a junior. And the person standing next to him just happened to go to school with the person standing next to me. So it was kind of a serendipitous type moment. And we met on a break. And I was kind of a nerdy kid. And I figured if I never have to see this guy again, if he thinks I'm a total loser, I'm golden. You know, why don't I just go for it? (laughs) And I just told him that I liked him. I gave him my number and I asked him to call me. And he did. And we have been together ever since. Um, He is my best friend. He's insanely witty. I mean, just we laugh constantly. Humor is a big part of our lives as well. Um, He is a he works with power grids, actually, which with all this stuff going on with hurricanes, you know, he's kind of guy that you might see out there um, actually helping in Florida right now. That's what he did for the military. And um, he is, he's so thoughtful. You look at him and you don't think that this guy is going to be the one that, you know, just adds things to your calendar to surprise you and make your day. He's, you know, he tries to act like, he tries to look like the big tough guy, but he's really a softy <laughs> and amazing father and just an all around really kind and compassionate guy. 
and the rest of your world is uh, surrounded by three daughters. Wow. Yes. God bless your God bless your husband. (laughs) (laughs) He is definitely living in the estrogen ocean. Um, So tell me. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go go go. I have a seventeen-year-old daughter um, who is a senior in high school. She is also um, a special needs child. She has Asperger's, and she is one of the most persevering people I've ever met. Um, she has handled being a military child and her mother being a cancer patient very, very well. She has uh, two younger sisters. One is 10 and she is my bubbly, crazy, fun loving. She's the music one too. Um, very kind and compassionate daughter. Um, very, very sensitive. She's the one that would be watching a, a movie with me and burst into tears if, you know, there was a sad part. And then my youngest, who is eight, she is the feisty mini-me of the crew. (laughs) Very, very um, smart, questions everything, and definitely the one that's been most in tune with everything that's been going on with me. Um, And the oldest is Maria, and then we have Gabby who is the 10 year old and Brie is the baby. And when I was diagnosed, Brie was three, Gabby was five and Maria had uh, just turned 13. How did you deliver the news to Marie and Gabby? Obviously Brie was too young, right? Yeah. Well, it was, it's kind of strange. We actually set them all down together. Just, keeping it very simple at that point in time, when everything first happened, it was just a matter of mommy is sick and mommy has something called cancer. And we just explained to them that I was going to have to be in the hospital sometimes because I was going to have to have some surgeries that would help get the cancer out of my body and that I would have to take some medicine that would make me very sick. And sometimes I wouldn't feel well And I would need to rest and I wouldn't be able to do the things that I normally do. And the reason we did that with them all together is even though Maria is older, her understanding and her way of processing things was actually closer to Gabby's age than it would have been for a normal 13 year old. And when I say normal, not, you know, as in normal, normal, but she processes things very black and white just like a younger child would. So it was easier just to do it together. And we did not address the mortality portion of it at that point because we decided we're not going to keep things from them, but we're also not going to bring in the what ifs until they're older and they understand more and it's necessary. Right. So what caught my attention was what you labeled your very first blog post. And it was your talk with, uh, was it with Brie? Yes. It, it was, was with Brie. Brie. So usually when we hear about the mother daughter talk, talk, uh, that's a whole nother topic. Not, yes. not this one. And so it's kind of a two part question here, Diana, why now? And take us through what that was like and and what you talked about. Okay. Well, 
as I mentioned before, I've done every type of chemo that's available to me. And, you know, as a, a cancer patient, when you start recycling chemo, that can be a scary point in your treatment. Because if you've done something before and it wasn't necessarily successful, what means what chance is it going to be now? And because I was switching up and I had had some progression, the kids realized that things weren't going necessarily the way we wanted them to. Because when I have scans, we talk to them and I tell them what they say. We're very honest because I never want it to be at a point where the kids think that I had lied to them or hid something from them in the case that I'm not here for them anymore. So after having a couple bad scans and actually the disappointment with not being able to have a surgery, which we thought I might possibly be able to have um, to remove all the cancer from my lungs, the kids started to be more in tune with the fact that this could be something that mommy does not get better from. And we always told them, you know, I'm trying to get better. That's why I do the treatment. But we never said that I was going to get better. And now they're a little older. They've had five birthdays. Maria will be having her fifth birthday since my diagnosis. So their understanding has increased. And Brie, it's been the most difficult for her. She, at three years old, was seeing a home health nurse come and disconnect a pump from me and would was visibly upset whenever that would happen. She was convinced that the nurse was hurting me. So her mentality and her just sensitivity to this whole thing has always been very, very high. So I just noticed that she was looked a little sad and she came over and she just sat beside me and um, she just looked at me and she, she told me I'm worried and I'm sad. And I said, well, you know, why are you sad? Why are you worried? And she said, well, I'm worried about you. And this is what led into the conversation from an eight, from an eight year old, wow. from an eight year old. Wow. Um, so I didn't want, I never want to put words in my kid's mouth. So when I asked her, why are you worried and sad, even though I knew exactly where this was going, um, that's when she told me that she was afraid that I was going to die. And that's what led into our conversation. What was, tell us about the conversation for those that didn't read the post. Okay. Um, basically, I had to put it I had to talk to Brie in a way that I could give her some comfort, but not give her any kind of false sense of everything's going to be okay, because I don't know what's going to happen. So she told me that she just didn't want to think about not having me around for all the things that she was going to do and growing up and being there for it. And when you're having a conversation with this, like an eight year old with an eight year old, it's surreal because you don't expect the maturity level. And Brie is definitely not your typical kid. She is extremely um, articulate and very mature for her age. So we talked about the fact that even though somebody is gone, it doesn't mean that 
all the things that they meant to you, the love, the memories, and things like that die with them. Um, it was, you know, the whole everybody dies was how we really started it. And there's just not much comfort in that for a child because it doesn't make it any better for her. She doesn't feel better about the fact that I'm going to be gone. But what we moved on to is the love that we take with us that never dies. And I think I said in the, in the blog post, it's very cliche, but it's true. And part of like the thing we talked about before the We Don't Wait tour, we're doing things with the kids. You know, we, we've taken some Disney World trips with my dad and we've gone to the beach and uh, where my uh, mom and dad both have houses in North Carolina. We're doing the things I did as a kid and I'm running around playing soccer mom now. I'm actually her team manager. So we're doing things where she will remember Mommy wasn't always in bed and sick. Mommy did these things for me. She showed me that she loved me any way she could. We take our kids to Austin City Limits every year to, you know, do the music thing with us. So I wanted her to remember that just because I am not there with her, it doesn't mean that all of that love is gone and all of that support is gone. Because even if I'm not there in person, I'm still part of her. I, you know, I help bring her into this world. I look at pictures and, you know, we have the same face. We have the same smile. And when she looks in her mirror, she's still going to see me. Now, one of the things that we moved on to was I didn't want her to use that as an excuse to not live the best life she possibly can. And telling an eight-year-old that, is probably one of the strangest things I can actually think of doing because you don't have those type of conversations with kids that young. And I just told her that if she out of anyone, and I actually was um, inspired by somebody else who is uh, actually, she is dying from cancer at this point. And she had said that, Life turns on a dime faster than you can believe. So if you're not busy living, you never know what could change for you. And it would be a moot point and take it all away from you anyway. So I told her that I wanted her to love hard, you know, laugh, find the joy, dream big, do whatever it is that her little heart desires and don't ever use me not being there as an excuse to keep her from doing it because that would make me so very sad because I wouldn't want my absence to cost my kids the joy of life. And I think I embrace it even more now since I've had cancer and that's been a gift for me. And I want them to have that gift even if I'm not there to share it with them. Because it's okay to be sad, it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to not grasp every moment and just make it as beautiful as you possibly can. And we closed the conversation, which was probably the hardest, um, talking about me actually dying. And 
I assured her that right now I'm not in any immediate danger because I'm not. I have a small amount of disease and it's under control, but I made her a promise and it was probably the most difficult promise I've ever made anyone that um, when it got to the point that it was evident that I was going to die, that I would tell her and I would tell her sisters and I would be honest with them and I would not hide that from them because even though, you know, everybody says, you know, death is a part of life. We all know that a child thinking that something was stolen from them or someone just hid something from them, I think would stay with them in a really, very negative way. And I didn't want her to ever feel like that. I tried to, I tried to hide and protect her, but in a way, all I did was some damage because my integrity wouldn't be the same to her. And having that conversation with her was probably the most difficult thing I've ever done. There was lots of tears, but I realized that even though I was checking in with her and really, you know, asking my kids how they felt, I really did not have any idea the burden that my eight-year-old had been carrying around. Um, Cause I asked her, you know, how long she felt that way. And uh, she said she feels that way all the time. And it was tough. I, I'm sitting here with, with chills. I don't know that I could be as brave as you, Diana. I've got two that are, that are older. So they're, you know, they're, they're grown men at this point. Um, but wow. And, this just validated, not that I need, not that we needed it, the importance of this conversation for other people. Um, so thank you for not just tackling something the way you did, but there's no doubt in my mind that someone's going to listen to this and really appreciate you kind of setting the path, I guess, for lack of a better well, way. I appreciate it. Um, I wrote the post because I actually, the people that I wrote the post for, um, I contacted them and told them I had had this conversation and I asked them, had they ever had anybody really write about having that kind of conversation with their kids? And they thought about it and they didn't. And so, you know, Bree just blows my mind constantly. And I really felt like if this could help somebody else that I wanted to share it, but I also didn't realize how much I needed to have that conversation for myself and believe that I am going to still be with them no matter what happens to me, that they'll still see me in them and you know, I will go on because they go on. I was just going to say that at the end of that conversation, it had to have helped you as much as it helped her. I, I believe it did because your biggest fear when you get diagnosed, when your kids are young, for me anyway, was are they even going to remember me? Because when you get that immediate, you know, this, you know, that gut reaction when it first happens is I'm going to die. I'm going to die because I have, you know, late stage cancer and 
my kids are too young. If I don't, you know, live a certain amount of time, they're not going to remember who their mommy is. And the fact that I've been so fortunate to get my kids, you know, like I said, through five birthdays since this has happened has actually, of course, it's helped me and helped relieve some of my anxiety. But at the same time, eight years isn't enough. You know, it's never enough. It's never enough, of course. And having that conversation with her, I needed her to know that it was true. And I needed to know it was true as well. And I feel that way now. I don't feel that overwhelming fear and anxiety that, you know, I'm going to leave my children and they aren't going to know what to do. And they're not going to have that, the strength and the, I don't know, that support of their mother. And it's going to do so much damage. I know they're going to be okay now. And I know that I'm going to be okay and I'm going to be at peace with however all of this turns out. Have you noticed any change since the conversation? She has actually been um, saying just today, actually, she said to me, she just looked at me and she goes, I'm happy. And, uh, I was really, really, you know, you're happy. I was like, I'm glad, you know, why are you happy? She's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just happy. And I think being able to talk and lift that weight has helped her some. And she is also specifically asked, there's a organization um, in Austin that actually helps children whose parents um, are cancer patients and they provide uh, free counseling and I had taken her before once and she was very, uh, uh-uh. if I need to talk to somebody, I'm going to talk to you. I don't want to talk to anybody else about this. And, uh, she has actually, since this conversation, she's asked to go back. So, um, we've actually have got that all set up and I, you know, I really wish all cancer patients had access to that kind of thing where it's specifically, it's just for the kids and the fact that she is willing to do that and ask for help tells me that we are making some progress and we're moving forward with her being able to talk about it, think about it without that, you know, that grief and despair setting in before, you know, it's, it's even really an issue. So I like the fact that we're getting something in place ahead of time. Well, you know, I think, as parents, our, our, our kids always look to us, right, for right. for everything and how we handle things and how we react. And I'm sure this talk, the vacations, seeing mommy and daddy going having fun at concerts, all of those things have have a major impact, right? You know, I they, would say so. They see how you're living your life that. Exactly. You're at soccer games and and all that stuff, right? And you hope that they're going to remember that as parents as well, you know, and adults and just teenagers. Just, you know, don't let things keep you 
from moving forward. Don't let things keep you from finding joy, even if there is something that's in a source of incredible sadness. And I hope they get that from everything from all of us. And, uh, you know what? Also, um, seeing other cancer patients and seeing how we support each other and love each other. My kids, they, they see that too, you know, so they're not just going to see the sickness. They're not just going to see the weakness, you know, on those bad days where you just don't want to get out of bed. They're going to see what we do and how we live even in the face of a terrible disease. And they're going to remember that. You, you almost quoted it word for word. I was waiting for you to go there. My favorite line from Shawshank Redemption, get busy living or get busy dying, right? Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, th- there's not much more to add to this. I, I, I just kind of want to leave this here uh, because you really put it all out there. And like I said, there's, there's no doubt in my mind uh, and, and it's a hope too. And I'm sure it is a, the same for you that, uh, people will find this conversation and listen to it and, and take some, follow a bit of your lead and take some, uh, inspiration from, from how you've approached this with your children with most importantly, love, um, and honesty and, uh, mix in a nice little dose of tenderness too. And, uh, I think it's really special, really special. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So, uh, I'll, I'll leave it with, uh, just thanks for spending time with me and, and, uh, and sharing something very personal. And I, I wish you, you know, lots, lots more good scans ahead, lots more stability ahead, right? Uh, I can't reach through the, through the computer and give you a hug or a high five, but we'll see each other soon. And, uh, yes, I will get one in Cleveland. <laughs> you bet, you bet. And, uh, you know, brothers and sisters in this together, right? So absolutely. Yeah. Always. So all the best to you. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast, and thank you to our sponsor, H2ORS. The Colon Cancer Podcast is a proud sponsor of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Notes from this episode can be found on our website at thecoloncancerpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on our website, on iTunes, or on the Stitcher app for listeners using an Android device. If you or a loved one has a question about colon cancer, please visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website at www.ccalliance.org. Again, that's www.ccalliance.org. You can also email your questions to us at info at the colon cancer podcast.com. Thanks again for listening. Be well, everyone. <laughs>